Uh, oh, Ryan, I've just noticed my thing just kind of flashed. I don't know if I cut out for a bit there. No, you're um, okay. Okay. Yeah, I, sh I should point out to a, a room full of very polite Canadians are not pointing out to you that it's Rob doing all the talk. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it is. Oh, okay. No, no, that's, okay. Well, that's all right. I'll take the credit. <laughs> yeah, that, that's funny. Okay, Rob. Well, welcome to the show, Rob. Thank you. <laughs> nice to be here. <laughs> This is the AT Banter Podcast, a balanced and entertaining look at assistive technology, accessibility, and its importance in people's lives. Join Rob Minot, Ryan Fleury, and Steve Barclay as they banter with people around the world about anything and everything regarding assistive technology and the disability community. Now, on with the show. Hey, and welcome to another episode of AT Banter. Banter, banter. Uh, my name is Rob Minow. Joining me today, Mr. Ryan Flurry. Good day. Mr. Steve Barkley. Howdy, y'all. How, how is everybody? Oh, just splendid. I don't think we are. Not too bad. We're recording on International Day of Persons with Disabilities, so... That's right. Also known as Giving Tuesday. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Oh, really? Is that, is that always follow Cyber Monday? Yep. Is that the thing now? Yeah. That's the thing. You're Giving not, Tuesday. You're not getting all these companies sending emails saying, give us money, give us money? No. Really? I don't think so. I, think I am four or five I really today. I checked my phone today yet. Uh, well, that's cool. That's that's kind of nice on the, on the heels of the consumer feeding frenzy that is Black Friday and uh, Cyber Monday. Yeah, I think they need to move the date so it's before Black Friday and Cyber Monday. Though. I think, <laughs> I really think, I think in a couple of years it'll just be Black Friday week. It already has been. Yeah, I know. A lot of, most places mm -hmm. actually, they'll have deals all week, but yeah. I think it'll legitimately like, we'll just extend it to a complete week of just chaos. But uh, did you did you find any uh, Black Friday deals, Ryan? Didn't buy a thing. No. Nope. I really? looked. Yeah, I looked and I almost played, pulled the trigger a couple times, but said nope, don't need it. All I did was I sent links to Jackie to say, hey, this is on sale. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Christmas is coming. I want this. And Send this, and this one to the kids. <laughs> I wonder. I wonder how much money they make on Black Friday. Well, I think I saw a statistic the other yesterday. But I don't remember. I think it was like a, I think it was over a billion dollars or something. One ridiculous. gazillion yeah. dollars. I mean, it yeah. kind of makes sense. I mean, you're buying, you know, you're you're buying Christmas presents anyways. Well, they I say it's still, way bigger than Boxing Day now. Yeah, well, I can see that. I mean, mm -hmm. Boxing Day is kind of after the fact. Yeah. So. Huh. More importantly, who wants to go to the stores but it, on Boxing Day? Consume, yeah. Well, sure, but I mean, Boxing Day made sense, like on a retail level because you know you had all this extra stock that you had that you brought in for christmas and mm -hmm. then whatever you didn't sell okay we marked down so we just get rid of the stock and have a you know a big boxing day sale and it was a it was a, it was a thing I, I don't even how did black friday even start <laughs> like what what happened it just it, i don't know it was just here one year and i just yeah, I don't know. I don't know how it's. And it was. It, I remember it starting. You know, you would you would hear rumors of it up here in from you know in the U.S. And for the longest time, we didn't really do anything. Okay. How did Black Friday get started? Ooh, look, it's got an answer. Tell us a story. The earliest evidence of the phrase Black Friday applied to the day after Thanksgiving in a shopping context suggests that the term originated in Philadelphia, where it was used to describe the heavy and disruptive pedestrian and vehicle traffic that would occur on the day after Thanksgiving. Huh. So thanks, Philly. First cheesesteak, now Black Friday. <laughs> the day after Thanksgiving has been regarded as the beginning of America's Christmas shopping season since 1952. Although the term Black Friday did not wi become widely used until more recent decades. Yeah, it's uh, oh, here, here we go. Black Friday has routinely been the busiest shopping day of the year in the United States since 2005. Although news reports, which at the time were inaccurate, have described it as the busiest shopping day of the year for a much longer period of time. Are they saying news reports now are accurate? No. <laughs> Fake news. But no, that's, that, that sounds about right to me. Like it was like the mid 2000s that it started. 
you started to hear stories about this Black Friday thing down in the States. Yeah, yeah. And it, it didn't creep into Canada for a long time. Not yeah. yeah. It, it took a while. But now it's pretty much, I would say, it's as big here as... Yeah, I think so. You know, you know, especially with all the, the big box stores are all, you know, uh, uh, U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, franchises anyways. So, uh, but yeah. And then, and then that wasn't enough. We needed more. And so then they created the Cyber Monday thing. Mm-hmm. Not long after. And even that's been extended. I saw a couple of emails from retailers this morning that they've extended it for the week. Yeah. Hmm. So it's nice. It's nice to see that finally on Tuesday, giving something back. If you got anything left to give back. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. That's, that's Ryan's argument about uh, uh, giving Thursday, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Before the Black Friday. Exactly. Yeah. 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 It'd probably be better to have it you know, before, before Black Friday. Have it in October. You see, if you have it in October, then Halloween hasn't started yet. You know, the Christmas crap hasn't entered stores yet, although that's getting earlier every year, too. Oh, well, let's have it in April. <laughs> yeah, it really does feel like this whole season is just, it, get, it becomes more, it seems like it becomes longer and longer every year. There was Christmas stuff in the it's stores exhausting. when Halloween stuff was still in the stores. Yep. Yeah, you got Halloween. Ridiculous. And, you know, they push Halloween for three weeks before Halloween, and then you're right into... You're right into the Christmas stuff. Yeah. And then it just, that's three months of Christmas stuff. I sat down at Starbucks yesterday to, do some, to do some work. And uh, no, but I had their Christmas blend, which was mm-hmm. actually pretty nice. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, and it's just, they're, they're playing like jazz jingle bells or something mm-hmm. on the, and the playlist. It was all Christmas music on the playlist. Yep. It was driving me crazy. It's December now. Yep. And, uh, I don't know. First of all, I don't know how Starbucks workers do that. I don't know how you listen to that all day, <laughs> every day, but, um, it's just, it does, it gets a little, it gets a little much. Mm-hmm. Like I don't, I feel like it used to be like the two weeks before Christmas. That was a magical time. I uh, fired up Spotify and uh, started playing my uh, what they call release radar. It's you know yep. new releases that I might be interested in. First one, ding 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 ding. <laughs> Christmas music. It's like no no, do not play that for me ever again. Where's the ever again setting? Uh, yeah. yeah, I like I have. It's the third. It's December third, and we're already complaining about yeah. Christmas. This means you because it's been started. going on too long. Yeah, July. it's just started too much. It mm-hmm. feel like it's already been going for a month. Twenty-two yeah. days of whining will now commence. <laughs> That's ah, right. But a bunch in, of Scrooges we are. Back <laughs> in the good old days, there was only the twelve days of Christmas. Yeah, good luck. Yeah. Now it's the ninety days of Christmas. Yep. Yep. Ugh. Just too much. Too much of a good thing is is too much of a good thing. Let's just. We're not Grinches. I don't feel like. I like Christmas as much as anybody else, but. Come on, people. Hey, I got an idea. What? Instead of bitching about Christmas, yeah. why don't we talk to a guest? Hmm. Let me weigh the, <laughs> weigh the pros and cons of that. Because <laughs> it's kind of enjoying Christmas. Okay, that's fine. Oh, well, speaking of, well, then let's figure out who, let's find out from Ryan who we're talking to today. Today, we are speaking with Jess Stainbrook, who is the executive director from InvisibleDisabilities.org. Ooh. On the day... Of International Persons of Disabilities. Holy crap, Ryan. What the hell? I know. Topical and stuff. Who would have figured that would happen? No kidding. Not me. (laughs) Uh, No, this will be interesting. Invisible disabilities. People have a very specific idea in their head of what is a disability or what somebody with a disability should look like. Um, And that's, I think that's the really nefarious part that, that sort of needs to change. We need to sort of get that into the, into the the public consciousness is that disability has many different looks and sometimes is invisible. Yeah. It'll be interesting to talk to Jess and get the scoop. Well, let's get that scoop then. But first a word from our sponsor. Hey everyone, Ryan from Canadian assistive technologies here to tell you about a product called way around way around consists of a free iOS or Android app or the optional Waylink scanner that connects to your phone via Bluetooth to identify and label items around your home or office. Using the way tags that come in the form of stickers, buttons, magnets and clips, you can label just about anything you can think of, such as clothing items, products in your fridge or freezer, 
plants in your garden, recipes, and so much more. I've used the way tags to label my Blu-ray movies and my vinyl LP collection. If you'd like to find out more information about the Way Around product, please visit us online at www.canastech.com. That's C-A-N-A-S-S-T-E-C-H.com. Or call us toll free at 1-844-795-8324. Thanks for listening. Good morning. Hey, Ryan. How you doing, Jess? Good, man. How are you doing? Good. Well, hey, listen, we want to thank you uh, so much for taking the time and, and chatting with us today. Well, glad to be here. Uh, listen, uh, why don't we start off with uh, just telling us a little bit about um, the, the term invisible disabilities and, and what is meant by it. The invisible disabilities is uh, basically the way that we refer to um, disabilities that aren't readily seen or could, you know, some people call them hidden disabilities. Um, and basically that is usually... Uh, somebody that does not use an assistive device or something. I mean, so for instance, you know, if you use a cane or if somebody's in a wheelchair, um, maybe you'd see things like that. So, um, yeah, that it's it's anything that doesn't use that. So, and it encompasses a wide range of things. I mean, it could be uh, cognitive impairment or uh, intellectual or mental illness kind of thing, chronic disease. I mean, it could be like MS or epilepsy, diabetes. Um, so, yeah, it's just most of the people that, that have an invisible disability really do look fine, and that's a pretty common uh, statement that we get of, hey, you look good. Yeah, well, that, that doesn't mean there's nothing wrong. So, um, yeah, that's, it, that's the nutshell of, of what an invisible disability is. The Invisible Disabilities Association has actually been around for about 23 years. Um, the, there, it's a husband and wife team that founded it, um, and uh, Wayne and Sherry Cannell. And uh, Wayne actually kind of came up with the idea of, of starting something because they found out that Sherry had um, uh, MS and then a bunch of other things that kind of compounded it. So it took her out of the workforce and um, and then Sherry actually coined this term, invisible disabilities, because people really didn't understand her. I mean, you know, it was almost like she was fine one day and not the next. And that's a pretty common thing in the invisible disability space where, you know, again, somebody might look fine and, and yet you don't understand why they can't show up to work on time or or seem extra tired or something like that. But um, so f for those 23 years, basically, uh, it's been an awareness organization. Um, I joined them about two years ago and and really have kind of taken on the task of creating programming. We're, we're working on some um, national and, and worldwide legislation type things. And we can talk about that a little more in depth if, you, if, if you'd like to. Um, but yeah, we're, we're really kind of taking on some bigger things that serve people and, and start to change some of the uh, impressions and laws around how you, how you treat people with invisible disabilities. So we've sort of seen in the past, I don't know, say five to six years, um, the conversation around disability kind of changing and evolving and, and actually gaining some traction. It's, it's spoken of a lot more. Um, have you found the same thing in the, in the invisibility disability space? Uh, we have. As a matter of fact, you know, obviously the ADA has stepped up to, um, you know, regulate a few more things. So, for instance, you know, if you walk into an office setting and you're a worker there, um, you know, I don't know if you're aware of, you know, there's a lot of people that have chemical sensitivities. Um, and so whether that's a fragrance or let's say you burn a candle or something in your office, right. that might affect somebody that's right next to you. Well, they, they legally have the right to ask to be moved or that that particular thing could be shut off, if you will. Um, so, you know, if you stuck in, you know, there's those things that you stick into, uh, a wall outlet that that create a smell, right? right? right. Um, or if you walk into a bathroom, uh, there, you know, they put just like little spray things in there. Well, you're basically eliminating the ability for somebody with uh, a, that kind of uh, fragrance sensitivity to be able to use that facility. 
Um, so yes, we are seeing a lot of changes. And again, we're kind of on the front edge of, of trying to inform and actually create certification programs for people that uh, or for uh, uh, restaurants and companies that they can kind of say, hey, we abide by these rules. And so, you know, more people are welcome in, in that space. The other thing that, that people really don't know about here in the United States is that um, if you have a government contract, you're required to have at least 7% people that you're hiring that have a disability. Now, because there's a lot of environments in the workplace that aren't quite as friendly or maybe as knowledgeable about some of those things. Again, they're gonna look around and they're gonna see one person in a wheelchair, one person using you know, maybe a braille keyboard, one person using a hearing device, but they haven't even taken into consideration all of the people that have all of these other invisible disabilities because they haven't made it safe to talk about it. Um, and so those people really do stay hidden. Um, and, and so you know, our goal really is again to raise awareness and, and bring more uh, information to HR groups and things like that of how to make a work environment safe for those folks and then how to communicate that to your employees and um, you know utilize that for for just having great employment um, facilities you know what's your experience been uh, with sort of the two different types of things that we're talking about, which is certainly there's, there's the idea of, of invisible disability, which is, you know, obviously, like you said, a, a disability that is generally not openly visible. But there's also this idea of hidden disabilities, which is people who have, who have disabilities, but who, especially in the workplace in the past, have tended to hide those disabilities Sure. Um, because of fear of retribution or just, yeah. you know, self-consciousness or whatever it happens to be. Is that something that are those really sort of two distinct branches of this that you guys deal with? You know, I think I think the way to open that discussion, Ryan, is probably to go. So you've got the word disability. Right. Um, and then you've got the word disabled. And, and there's a distinction between those. When you say disabled, that usually refers to somebody who is unable to perform something um, in a job or other functions because of a disability or an impairment. So you might have a disability and, you know, again, how much does it affect you? Well, that's the indicator, right? That's the, that's the scale that has to be taken into consideration for people in a work environment or, you know, any other kind of place. So, um, yes, there's this bigger conversation around how do you make that safe environment in, in such a way that the people who do have hidden or invisible disabilities can come forward to request um, either help. I mean, a lot of these folks love to work from home um, and they get a ton of work done because they work. They recognize that their hours may not be like a straight eight hours like, you, you know, we might expect people to work that that wouldn't have a disability um but yeah there's there's uh you know performance factors that are wrapped around that you know i did a, a talk at a government agency um here in the united states at the federal level and it was really interesting because you know i kind of did my little talk in the powerpoint we had a great conversation it was a pretty big audience and then they they had a panel and on this panel were three of the people from this agency. Um, and one was the guy, like the boss of the entire agency. And two other people were managers. Um, and it was interesting because the boss guy, he, he got up and he said, hey, um, you may not know this about me, but I have X. And he named uh, a disability. And he said, you probably never heard of it. You don't even know what it means. But um, you know, a lot of you people probably think I'm standoffish because I don't like to shake hands or I hold my arms to myself. He said, that's because my disability, when you shake my hand, it sends electric shock impulses up into my brain and it hurts like crazy. Mm -hmm. And literally, Ryan, you could see the whole room kind of go, oh, like shaking their heads like, oh, my gosh, I had no idea. Right. And yet that explains so much. And it was the same thing with the other two people that as they start to explain things. And so that's a pretty common, you know, misperception when you're talking about invisible disabilities is you think one thing because somebody looks fine. And yet the reality is something else. And until you can engage that and understand how to accommodate it, 
you know, there's this big gap. We deal a lot with people who in the visually impaired community and the, and the visually impaired community is just so full of gradients as well, mm. um, which, you know, we've we've talked to so many people that that have these issues where just because they're not, you know, wearing sunglasses and, and are using a, a mobility cane. Right. Um, and, you know, they're still low vision and they're still navigating. They have their own way of navigating, but they're just not using the cane. They'll, they'll have people interacting with them all the time. They, they don't even recognize that they that they're visually impaired. And right. it can create some some uh, stress out there. Hmm. So, you know, in that sense, you know, I can see the the the, the education aspect of the organization to be a, you know, a really important one across all all disability fields. Yeah, and you know what's interesting too, and Canada is working on a lot of different things. Um, the United States, we're trying to. Um, I would actually say the UK, South Africa, and Australia are actually doing a really good job of kind of bringing this uh, front and center, so that they're addressing a lot of these issues. And so, it, I mean, it's a it's a long game here because there's so many things that kind of change. I mean, uh, I don't know when you grew up, you know, I didn't know anybody that was gluten free um and and it wasn't even a term then and um but it was the beginning of something that was going to happen over time um and and it took a while to figure it out and now now we're addressing it i mean you can go to schools where you can't even bring a peanut butter and jelly sandwich mm -hmm. to school you know because somebody's so allergic so i think we're in that same space right now as far as we talk about um, any kind of disability, but again, especially invisible disabilities, so it has to do with accommodation. It has to do with understanding. I mean, from a personal standpoint, what we find the most in, in people dealing with this stuff is there's the big believe factor. In other words, most people, because they can't see it, they don't understand it, they don't know anything about it, right. they just don't believe it. I mean, right. and there are, you know, just crazy things that are happening with different people that have different invisible disabilities that literally they can't get out of bed in the morning or it takes them a couple hours to get up and get moving and, you know, put on makeup and get, get out of the house. And so until you understand those factors and, again, just believing someone can begin to be the first steps for understanding how to engage. So the, the organization itself, what do you, do you mainly work in the, in sort of the, the, the corporate space? Are you, are you like sort of pushing for, for workplace awareness or are you sort of spread all over the place? Sure. Well, and again, um, you know, the awareness side before I, I came on board a couple of years ago really was just a little, you know, um, providing resources, having resources that people could talk about this. What we've really done is we've taken that to the next level. Um, and I would say it's probably in a couple of areas. One, like I said, is legislation. And I'll get into that a little bit here. Yeah. Um, and the raising awareness continues. I mean, obviously, with the growth of social and digital media, we're starting to have, uh, well, I shouldn't say we're starting. We have had a big impact through that um, through that outlet for years. As a matter of fact, um, the first website we had, I think, was in 1996. And if you're familiar with the history of kind of how online stuff worked, Google didn't even have, they weren't even online until 1997. Mm -hmm. So we kind of predated that kind of stuff. I mean, you look at our Facebook page, we're up to, you know, almost 200,000 followers. Oh. Um, we have a couple other online forums that, that we interact with people for deeper discussions and things like that. But it allows us to uh, engage in conversations, get some information and include people literally from all over the world. Um, let me go into the legislation side a little bit. Sure. Um, what we did is we started with this uh, this idea of of having an identification and and how this came about. We call it the National Disability ID. And how it came about is there was a gentleman in Ohio. He was driving his car. He got pulled over, and when he passed his license over to the law enforcement officer, he did not make eye contact. Um, I can tell you, having done a lot of work with law enforcement folks and SWAT teams, that um, that that raises everybody's alert right away. So they were kind of on high alert, just watching out. And and this guy was a little bit fumbling around in his car. They thought he was drunk. So they pulled him out and they handcuffed him. Well, it turns out he had he has autism. Mm. 
And so the whole idea behind us coming up with this concept of a national disability ID is what if there was a designated marker on his license, that entire interaction would have gone differently. Right. Um, and, and, you know, we have tons of stories of people pulling up and parking in disabled spots and walking into the mall or doing something <laughs> like that. When they come back out, there's the cops like, hey, you're not disabled. Well, yes, I am. There's the placard. And they're like, well, yeah, but you're walking. I can tell you're not disabled. Mm -hmm. So we really are. Uh, we're in this mode of educating yeah. and doing all this other stuff. Um, and, and what we've done is created this legislation, the National Disability ID legislation that allows for voluntary disclosure of any disability. Um, again, that provides then a designated symbol on a government approved ID. So Alaska has already passed it. They're the first state to have passed it. Um, Wisconsin has passed one. We have house bills in Colorado, Pennsylvania, and Alabama. And we're also talking with a bunch of other folks uh, in other states about getting it into legislation. Now, that also includes um, certification training for first responders, law enforcement, um, educators, and there's a whole host of folks so that, again, you know, it's not something we just put out there. The people who deal with it on a regular basis really need to know what to do with it, what that marker looks like and everything like that. So that's been an initiative we've been pushing forward and and, and having some success and gathering groups around us to um, have that kind of impact at a national level. When, when you go and you introduce the idea of this legislation to to legislators, uh, uh -huh. how are you typically received? How do they how do they respond to it? You know, it's the, the legislators actually respond very positively. Um, that is not usually the area that takes much to overcome. Um, it's this it's one step behind them that now we have to go to DMV and and the folks that actually provide the forms of identification and figure out what does it take to put one more symbol on there. And the other thing we're really up against right now is how do we unify that uh, symbol? And so Alaska actually took our logo, if you will. Um, we call it the eye guy. It's, it's uh, gender neutral. It really, it, I mean, it doesn't have anything that, that shows anything, but it's a good marker that, that is usable in that case of saying uh, invisible disability or any disability. Now, the the generally accepted one is the person in the wheelchair and that is actually an accessibility symbol um, right. that's that's again right. for somebody who needs uh, that, that's even a different parking spot in in a lot okay that's the one that has a bigger side a door entrance and things like that so there are a bunch of different things that we're dealing with as far as that and that's an awareness campaign that's us kind of you know, just talking about it and, and trying to wrangle everybody into one space. So um, that's coming about. But but it's um, you know, it takes some talking and and getting people to understand what's going on and, and why it's important. Um, the other organizations that are more involved that we try to get involved immediately are any of the disability organizations. So, for instance, you know, here in Colorado, we have the um, uh, the the coalition, the Colorado cross disability coalition and they're big advocates for anybody with a disability disability um but we immediately invite those kinds of folks into the conversation and actually sometimes they'll be the leaders in helping us get this stuff done because they know more about the environment they know more about the legislative side they have lobbyists and things like that so um but it has been interesting um there's probably i'd say it's about a 50 50 um, scale of people with disabilities that want absolutely nothing to do with any kind of um, disclosure. And that has to do with uh, basically people looking backwards into World War II when, when Hitler took all the population of people that were, were disabled and used them as guinea pigs in science experiments and, and killed them for no reason. Um, so there's a lot of things like that. But then there's a, there's the other side. Again, the folks like, you know, we deal with the, with the parking passes or, you know, the story I told you about the guy in Ohio. Um, 
there's a lot of folks out there that would like some kind of marker. So there, we're in numerous conversations with different areas to say, you know, is that a straight up uh, something that does go on your license? Because obviously your license is used for other forms of identification. Right. What we do not want to happen is somebody goes to get an apartment or something or get a job and somebody sees that marker and they know what it stands for, even though the person does not have to disclose what it is. Right. Um, that might be a place for discrimination. Right. So, you know, we're also talking about the possibility of a separate card that people could carry around that could be presented as well that that does the same thing. So, yeah, there's a lot of things to deal with when you're talking about this kind of legislation and meeting needs that serve a larger population. I want to move into a little bit uh, talking about the support aspect of the organization and what and what your experience there has been. Um, you know, it seems to me that, um, you know, when, when you have something like an invisible disability and you are leery about sharing that or disclosing that to either coworkers or friends, it, do you, do you find that, that the support that you guys provide helps people in either, you know, making that decision? I mean, is, is that a hard decision to, to make? You know, I would, I would imagine that particular aspect of it, um, Rob, probably has to do with uh, the person's experience, previous experience. So right. obviously we're overcoming a lot of discrimination, um, like you said, retro possible retribution, um, just things that are happening. Um, you know, a lot of the interactions we have and conversations we have with people online and through emails is them seeking help. Um, because they had either been fired or there's no accommodations being made, even though that they've told, uh, you know, their bosses, their managers and their HR departments that something's going on and they need help. And there's just been a, a total ignoring of the situation. So, um, yes, I mean, as, as far as getting people to, to step up, we, we have lots of conversations i would say behind the scenes but there is that um that place that we have to cross with people to say you know when is it that you are comfortable talking about this out loud and it doesn't have to be you know wearing something around that says hey i have this disability but um and, and although sometimes it is i mean we we've created a little um badge thing that people can wear uh using public transportation and they're kind of using it in um the uk right now that it's an identifiable symbol and it even says i have an invisible disability please offer me a seat or something like that you know so um yeah we're trying to open that door and allow for better conversations but again you know it's it really has to do with how educated people are about what's going on and the, and the willingness to have the conversation or to deal with it. But so so in your experience, though, we, you know, when you when you talk to a lot of people, um, is it the, the general rule of thumb that their, say, work life is better once they do disclose and once they are either either getting the support or I can imagine the, the, the stress level that somebody must go through on a daily basis when they're actively trying to hide something like an invisible disability from their coworkers and boss. I mean, I, I, would, I would think that even that alone, um, alleviating that would just, would just make life better, even if they didn't necessarily need any sort of accommodations. Is, has that been your experience? Is, is it just a, a positive step to take for people or just for some people, maybe just not disclosing is, is just the, the right decision for them to make? You know, that's a really good question. And, and I think that's a, that's a both and situation. In other words, I think for some people, yes, it, it's a positive interaction because people didn't know. And now it makes sense, right. Of things that they weren't aware of why somebody may not be doing something. Um, and then, but then the other side of that is, uh, you know, if you disclose and an organization is not willing to help or accommodate or even think about doing something to, to help you out, you know, what are you going to do about that? That that becomes horrible because now now you feel like 
your job is at on the line right. because you've exposed yourself, if you will, uh, to, to having this disability. And now they're looking at you differently. So and, and even though that's illegal, obviously, there's all kinds of things that that, you know, employers could do to kind of get around that, if you will. So, I mean, one of the stories I was thinking about when you're talking about, you know, is it positive? What's it like on the inside? Um, there was a marketing group that worked together and it was here in Denver. And and we heard this story and they started going out every day for lunchtime runs. Well, one of their team members has mild cerebral palsy and nobody knows. And so she just, you know, politely declined to go on these runs, but nobody knew why. And, and what she found is she finally ended up kind of filing something just to say, you know, all the people that went on the run were getting more opportunities and, and raises and all this other stuff, and she wasn't. And, and again, it was this perception of, oh, she's not a team player. Right. Well, that's not it at all. I mean, you know, one of the presentations we give is, you know, you come up and, you know, the whole idea is that, oh, we're going to walk the stairs because it's good for us. Well, maybe that person can't walk stairs or that's a really painful thing to do. So obviously the thing would be to, to say, hey, would you like to take the stairs or should we take the elevator? You know, and that, that gives a better uh, understanding without asking any questions in a situation of accommodating what somebody might feel like. I mean, shoot, you know. I have good and bad days when I'm walking around where I'm like, yeah, an elevator would be really nice right now. Um, you know, we, we were talking with uh, an autism expert and she, her son has autism. And, and one of the things that people regularly ask her is, you know, well, is he high functioning or low functioning? And she said, that's an unfair question because shoot, you can ask that question to me. I mean, you get up in the morning, I don't have coffee. Guess what? I'm going to have a low functioning day, you know? So, um, you know, when you talk about the spectrum thing, there's this wide range across any disability of how you might interact uh, on, on a day versus another day. You, you had total support from Rob and I, when you mentioned starting without coffee. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, There you go. (laughs) Yeah. See, it's, I don't know. It's in a way it seems crazy to me because when you think of like visible disabilities is we've gotten that to a point where, I mean, sure, we have a, a long way to go, but I mean, it, it's so much better than it was. Yet, it yeah, we, seem sure. to be, we seem to be falling short in, in the, the idea of, of invisible disabilities. We have this, all these seg- huge segments of people who are still living sort of in, you know, trepidation or, you know, high levels of stress uh, because of it and don't feel comfortable coming out as visibly disabled that's true and again it has it, it, that really has to do with uh the acceptance level or the understanding or the believability the reactions if you yeah. will um to how how people might or might not engage and I, I guess i can see how that could be a, a problem too because you're sort of you, they must feel a little bit damned if you do, damned if you don't because yeah, of course you know, on the one hand, they could they could come out saying that they have this invisible disability and the reaction could be, oh, wow, OK, you have a disability and they could be treated differently there. But the the other reaction could be, oh, well, you know what, you're just you're just playing that up or you're or, you right. know, you're faking it. Yeah. Um, so it, that must really play a lot differently than, say, somebody with a visual disability who it's very clear you know, they're only sort of maybe going to get the one reaction, but somebody with invisible disabilities could get multiple different negative reactions, or that must be the perception. Yeah. And again, it has to do well. And again, that goes back to that thing of a visible disability versus an invisible disability. And it has to do with, you know, the, the ability to see a device an assistive device. Right that changes the impression right away, right? Um, and again, you know, could there be discrimination against that? Of course there could. But um, yeah, m- more often than not, the invisible side, like you said, is is tough because it's not readily recognized. Right. And then nor is it readily accepted because, the, you know, the, the, they think, so, somebody might think that, again, you look fine, there's nothing wrong. I mean, I, I can't tell you how many people have been 
basically almost disowned by their families. Well, women, there's tons of, of women that we work with here um, that have have had TBI, traumatic brain injuries, and their husbands have just decided that's it, man, and they get a divorce. They're tired of, quote, unquote, babysitting. or I mean, they know the inside story. Um, but, you know, externally, if you look at these women, they look fine, you know? Or, you know, we just signed uh, Rick Roberts is, is one of our um, all-stars. So we started an all-star program, which is basically people who have another platform to talk about invisible disabilities. Um, so like Biff Gore, he was on season six of The Voice. Um, he's joined us. So, you know, he plays concerts all over the place and, and he will talk about invisible disabilities as part of his concert. Um, Rick Roberts, who I was just talking about, he's the guy who started, uh, founded the band of Firefall back in the 70s. Um, and you'd recognize that. Um, I don't know your ages, but, you know, if you recognize like the song, you are the woman that I always dreamed of. Yeah, that's him, man. And, oh, wow. and his songs are all over the place. Well, about 13 years ago, um, Rick had an accident that he has a tra traumatic brain injury. Um, and they're doing kind of a reunion tour and an acoustic tour right now. Well, Rick can be in the middle of playing a song and literally just stop and not know where he is and not know what's going on. And so what we've done is we've really worked with that team um, to talk about when that happens, it's not this uncomfortable thing. I mean, don't get me wrong, it is uncomfortable, but they immediately can step up and say, hey, this is kind of why we're here. You know, Rick right. has this thing, TBI, um, and this is what happens every once in a while. And yes, he looks fine. And yes, he's a great musician and an amazing singer and songwriter. But, you know, this is part of it. And so you need to understand this. So they go into a, you know, a little talk right then and there. And then somebody will turn to Rick and say, hey, you know, remember that song such and such? Why'd you write that? And when they can pull them back in and they just keep going. Right. So, again, we've been really intentional about engaging different folks that again have a different platform to be able to talk about this we're moving into the sports arena as well i mean that's going to be a huge one but um yeah the whole idea is to say when people are out and about talking about different things that they're experts in and then this other thing can sit on top of it because of the invisible disability that either they have or they deal with i mean they might be a caregiver for somebody in their family um yeah that's a great way to get the message out so is, is that sort of the main way that you you guys work to spread awareness? Um, well, like I said, there's a lot of online interaction that we have. Um, our, we, do, we have a speakers bureau, obviously, that goes out and talks like you were talking about earlier to uh, as part of the, an HR presentation to a corporation right. um, or other groups like that. You know, we'll do Rotary Club or, you know, those kinds of folks that are business groups that meet and we'll speak to those kinds of folks. We have our all-star program, which again, another uh, of venues that are, are being talked about. We have an ambassador program, which allows for kind of any person to get in touch with us to say, hey, either they have an invisible disability or they want to represent something. And so they might start a group at their company or you know, just in their neighborhood or in their community and be able to talk about it. We've got champions, again, that you know, different folks that help us out uh, financially, as well as spreading the word in a, in the communities about different things. So, yeah, there's lots of different things that that we do to um, raise awareness in that way. You know, it'd be a game changer for a lot of folks is if they had a you know a special card they could pull out and say, "Hey, this is going on," and, and you know. But then there needs to be an awareness marketing and educational campaign mm -hmm. so that people know what it means or know how to get the card. You know right. what I mean? Yeah. So that those are really the kinds of things that we're working on right now. And is that your guys' major push right now? Is is that legislation? Yes. They're, they're, we, what we've done is we've we've actually taken one of my roles was to come in and kind of look at the, the organization and say, what are the things that we're doing really well and that we should focus on? And this legislation thing came to the surface of that, that we committed to uh, this outreach initiative. And so, yes, that is one of the major things that we're doing. Um, we also are in the midst of creating a couple of different apps that um, help caregivers and care receivers to interact. It's almost like a, a, a personal assessment tool 
that then allows for somebody to understand how that other person best receives care, or again, uh, how to interact with a caregiver. So, you know, let's say that whether it's at the professional level or at the home level, um, you know, if you knew that, that somebody, you know, didn't like to just get down to, to PT or something like that right away, that they want to talk about family, well, that, that, that would be a really helpful thing. So we've been working on that. Um, and then obviously we're working in the, in the healthy living space around green initiatives in the building industry, the construction industry, as well as um, the, the food sensitivities and allergies and things like that. So yeah, there's a few areas that, that we're focused on more intentionally right now um, just to get things moving. Um, why don't you give us um, some more information on where people can find you guys um, if they want to reach out and contact you either through, you know, for support or if they want to learn more information about uh, the different programs that you guys provide. Just give us all your give us all your plugs. For sure. Well, obviously, the, the quickest and easiest way to get in touch with us is through our website, which is invisibledisabilities.org. Um, and through there, there's all kinds of things you could find out about. If you wanted to find out more about the National Disability ID, that initiative and the legislation that we're working on, um, we do have different awareness and support uh, elements through the website. You can download brochures about almost anything. I mean, we've got about 20 different brochures that are free and available. Um, if you want to be engaging people or maybe you want to take something to work, um, we've got a cleaner indoor air uh, initiative and uh, some things like that. There's an online support community where, you know, if you're looking for uh, doctors or different kind of help in that way, um, there's a bunch of different resources uh, that we've got going on with that. Um, we do have some different programs. You know, we do a gala every year where we give away a bunch of awards. And one of the big ones we do is the Invisible Heroes Award. Um, and we've got a campaign around that, and that has to do with our veterans and those that have, that, that have served for us. Um, and so, yeah, there's a lot of different things like that. But like I said, the best place to find us is, is online at invisibledisabilities.org. Perfect. And we'll be sure to include that in our show notes as well. Thank you. Cool. Well, listen, thanks so much for taking some time out, talking to us about this. Um, I mean, it's a it's a... I think it's a really important field, but I also think you guys have your work cut out for you because it seems so yeah. huge. Well, and, you know, obviously, as, as any nonprofit, you know, we're always looking for funding and, um, you know, to drive some of these because some of these are pretty big. The, the legislation that we're working on is a big deal. Yeah. And I think it really does have the ability to impact and, and change um, how people view and, and that interactive side as far as educating um, our entire population about what's going on. So, um, yeah, we're just we're plugging away day by day and, you know, like excited to kind of be the front runners in, in this particular space for sure. Well, keep up the good work. Well, thanks, guys. We'll appreciate talking to you and uh, let us know if there's other things we can help you out. Ryan, I think we said that there's a possibility you're going to come back on our podcast because oh. we did just start a podcast up and we've got a bunch of those episodes out. But, um, yeah, we'll be in touch about getting you to, to reverse the, the favor here. Yeah, we'll get the three of us. Cool. Sounds like fun. All right. Awesome. It's a deal. Awesome, guys. Right. Well, thanks so much. Thank Have you, a sir. great day. And uh, you too. Yeah, we'll talk to you later. All right. Thanks, Jess. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Wow. You know, I didn't even think, you know, and, and again, this this just shows you how much education needs to be out there. But like, I didn't even, I didn't even think of like people who are sensitive to different Sensing. perfumes or smells or any of that. I That didn't even factor in for me when I, when, you know, first talking about the idea of invisible disabilities. If you go to, if you go to uh, disability resource centers all across the country, it's very common to see on the door. This is scent a scent free. Scent free. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 Wow. But I mean, it is true. I mean, there are so many different things um, and things that you would never, it, that like that story that he had about the guy that that you know when he he touches people he actually gets 
electrical, electrical shocks. shocks that mm. hurt him. Yep. I had never heard of that before. But I don't doubt it. It's just this. Some sometimes there's these just these neurological things, these sticks that people have that just because they're outside of the realm of what you're familiar with, just sounds like so exotic and and odd. The story that 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 reminds me of, Steve, is that story that you guys like to tell about the woman. When we were when we were with Aroga, the the woman, oh, you oh yeah, talk to her. You couldn't ask her questions. Yeah. You couldn't ask her questions. You could not if you asked her a question. Uh, her brain just basically seized, like she just couldn't respond to a question. So everything that you when you dealt with her, you had to do everything as a statement of fact, which she would either confirm or deny. Right. <laughs> So you couldn't say, is your computer broken? That wouldn't work. It's like, your computer's broken. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) It was was really hard to have conversations Mm -hmm. with her because you're not used to framing conversations like that. And uh, yeah, she she was definitely a challenge to deal with, but, but... that was that was how you had to interact with. Yeah, it. and it's and it's so like it, you, the 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 range of, I mean, the human body. It's a complex thing, and the human brain even more so. And so it, you know, it, the the amount of. And I don't even you know I I think we even do things a disservice by calling them disabilities, because I think at the end of the day it I don't know it they're it's not that they're not necessarily disabilities they're just differences and yeah yeah you know i i was thinking as as we were going through the podcast there you know i actually have two kids with invisible disabilities you know mike mike's diabetic mm-hmm. right and abby has a written output disorder right you know for for abby because she had issues in school um and no obvious reason for it um there were a lot of bad guesses on the part of her teachers as to what was not working for her right and it wasn't until we took her to a psychologist and had her thoroughly tested that we actually found out what the issue was right um but the school was willing to sit there and make guesses Mm -hmm. as to what was wrong with her and those guesses ranged from She's lazy. Um, she's got attention deficit disorder. She's got dyslexia. Um, uh, gosh, what else did we go through? Oh, uh, food allergies. Oh, um, uh, she should be medicated. Uh, well, and that was kind of the go-to statement, right? For her age when she was in schools, everybody had ADD or ADHD, yeah. right? Like that was the, the go-to. Yeah. It seemed anyway. Yeah. We were actually told at one point to go to the doctor and ask for Ritalin. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, well, well you're, you're not a doctor. <laughs> for starters. Yeah. You know, you don't get to prescribe stuff. Right. You know, and, and we, we literally went to the psychologist out of frustration with the process that we were going through with the school. Hmm. So, you know, now she has a designation. She doesn't use that designation most of the time, but if she were ever put in a situation where she was expected to do a lot of handwriting, it would be a problem for her. Right, right. So, you know, we, we have a designation. It is It does cause an issue for her. It would be good to have some sort of documentation that mm-hmm. she could carry on on her to show that, yeah, yeah this is a real thing. Right. Yeah, and that, that's what I feel about the importance, like... I really do feel that double-edged sword that they're that they're dancing on um, with this legislation and with this ID card because I can really feel the pushback from some people who are would not be comfortable with that. Um, with well, this is this, but uh, this sorry. is why I like the idea of having it as a separate piece of identification because if you pull out your driver's license, that's one thing. Right. If you pull out this card. You can do that at your discretion. Right. You, know, you might be asked for ID, you know, for employment purposes, for, you know, traffic stop, for, you know, identification at the airport. 
you don't necessarily have to disclose that you have a disability when you're doing any of those things. Right, right. But should you feel it's necessary, you could pull out a second yeah, piece. Yeah, I, I like sense. that idea. I that really, makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Because again, that would also solve this problem of people, you know, sort of calling people on, you know, like, oh, you don't have a disability. You're just, you're just lazy or you're just, you know, you're just trying to, you know, milk the system or whatever the accusation would be. Yeah. Um, you know, they would have something to fall back on to be like, no, that's yeah. definitely not the case. This is something that is legitimate. It's a daunting task because it, mm -hmm. it literally is creating a whole new piece of identification that can be used, you know, nationally, internationally, and, and all of the stuff that comes along with that, you know, having it be something that actually is recognized. I mean, th I think about, um, you know, traveling down in the U.S. with a Canadian driver's license. Right. I have been refused to uh, be able to buy alcohol because they didn't recognize the driver's license. Oh, yeah. You know, they thought I'd gotten a piece of fake ID. You know, <laughs> like British Columbia, what the hell's that? <laughs> so it, it is, you know, it'd be a huge task to get, mm -hmm. you know, a, a piece of documentation like that universally recognized. Yeah, I can imagine. But, you know, the, the more I think about it, a very necessary and, and uh, beneficial process, I think. Yeah, because I mean, there's all kinds of you know. Then then it becomes like who how do you, how, who issues it? Um, what's the what's the logistics behind being approved for it? Yeah. Um, you know, there is there, so you you'd have to have some sort of a medical component or a letter from a doctor or a, a psychologist or whoever. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of moving parts in getting that set up. So yeah, yeah, I really do. I can see why that's sort of their main focus right now, because I'm sure that that's, you know, that's going to eat up a lot of their oxygen in, in, in trying to get that off the ground. And yeah. it sounds like they're, you know, they're starting to make, get some traction, you know, in, at least in a few states and, you know, that's how things begin. But, you know, the other thing that I wonder is just that I wonder what the stats are. Um, in terms of invisible disabilities. I mean, because, you know, you think of the, the statistics that we have for, say, visible disabilities, um, I would think those stats are probably a lot bigger. Oh, huge. Because, because not huge. only that, you're talking about like such a wide swath of, I mean, you're talking about like pretty much everything else. Yeah. You know, again. And, and herein lies a problem with, you know, having a separate piece of identification because at some point you have to delineate between, okay, what is a real recognizable condition and what is not. Right. Um, you know, because you, you, you're not going to hand out one of these cards to somebody because, you know, well, I don't like salmon. <laughs> you know, it's it's got to be more than that. It, it can't be, you know, well, exactly, a, yeah. a food aversion, for example. You know, so they need to figure out what, where that line is. Like right. What, what, almost what is what do we consider a disability? Yeah. You know, and it has to be something to the degree where it's going to impact performance. Uh, you know, yeah. so, you know, there has well, to be, be some sort of criteria. It would be really interesting to look at some of their legislation to see how they've struck that balance because yeah. obviously in order to you know yeah, put, they've done put legislation forward like that they've done it so yeah 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 we should have asked that question yeah damn it ryan sorry <laughs> <laughs> um see we can't even all walk around in bubbles because there's people who are allergic to latex and <laughs> plastics right nobody so, nobody said they had to be made out of latex well that's true but you think about but you know, people just, who live in glass bubbles shouldn't throw stones People may not be able to like touch glass or stones. Maybe there's the dirt. Well, I don't know. Like, about where, that. where do you draw the line? Like, you think about it. I think we may be taking it to the observe. Well, I mean, <laughs> but I don't know. Like, there are people allergic to dirt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so like, where do you draw the line? What is it? What is a disability? Well, that's, yeah, I think that's the, the key question is, where is that line drawn? Like, you can't you fly on a plane because they serve peanuts. Like, I just, the world's an unsafe zone now, right? Like, you can't go outside. Yeah, to be honest, I'd be stunned I, to find peanuts being served on a plane anywhere yeah. these days. But, yeah, really. But I even heard a news story of a woman in Edmonton last week who's allergic to cold. 
What? Yeah, she's got this condition where she's allergic to cold. What the hell is she doing in Edmonton? Well, that's what I thought was too. <laughs> but that's what I mean. Like it's an unsafe world, and Yikes. I don't know. You know, how do you come up with an ID card for everybody? You know? Well, I mean, you know, it's certainly. Do, I mean, I mean, if there where there's a will, there's certainly a way. I mean, they could do it. It, I think, but I think that uh, what needs to happen again, is education, and we need to realize that, that there is this problem. Um, and, and I think for years and years and years, it's, it has sort of just been hidden. Mm-hmm. People have just had to deal with, with whatever their, their hidden disability was. Um, and, I, like, and I do feel for those people. I mean, it's got to be... And, we, and we've heard, you know, when we worked at Aroga, we, we heard stories about people... Um, who were sort of, you know, right on that, right on that edge of low vision where, you know, their, their eyesight is bad enough that they could really benefit from some sort of AT, but yet they, they resisted doing that because of the, uh, they didn't want, you know, any sort of retribution or they were afraid of what, what. I see it all the time, all the mm-hmm. time at the children's low vision clinic. You get kids in there, they're, they're low vision definitely low vision you know they've got a visual impairment they won't carry an id cane well, no. and they won't use any kind of assistive technology because they don't want to appear different yeah yeah and, and that's always been the case and my argument to those kids a lot of the times particularly around the cane issue is okay if you're walking around bumping into things <laughs> people are already making assumptions about you mm-hmm. and right. you you need to think about what those assumptions are going to be. If you're carrying a cane, they're going to assume that you've got vision loss. If you're not carrying a cane, they might just think you're an idiot. They might think you're stoned. Right. They might think you're drunk. You know, there's all of these other things that are going to go through their head because they're making assumptions. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, those ID canes, they can be important. (laughs) But just like that ID cane... That ID, ID right. can be just as important to mm-hmm. be able to pull it out. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I guess my hope is that if that really does gain traction in the U.S., then that's certainly not a bad idea up here. No. Well, Indeed. you know, we as the blind, like I have a CNIB card, which is separate from my BC ID identification. You know, so there's no reason why they couldn't. Yep. Yeah, but it is a. It, they do have their work cut out for you, for them for sure, but. Mm-hmm. It's got to be possible for you to live your life and not even know that you have, like, just think that, oh, yeah, I have this thing that I just, I'm not good at math. Or I'm, or in Abby's case, you know, I'm just not good at handwriting. handwriting. I just suck at that and, and never really ever get diagnosed. See, I think that's the other part of this is that I think that there's a big segment of people out there that don't even realize they would have they have something that would be categorized as a hidden disability yeah i often wonder if i've got adhd yeah yeah but then i go on to do something else (laughs) stop self-diagnosing steve i know right (laughs) but again that's where that's where the awareness and i think and the education aspect of Mm -hmm. this is so important um but it does. It just strikes me as so crazy. Like it's so ironic that you know we've gotten, we've gotten to a point where, you know, disability is is a is a, you know, we we can make the business case for for hiring people with disabilities and, you know, visible disabilities is is you know a conversation and, and is gaining traction as as something that, you know, a, an issue that, as a society we're dealing with, yet. Now we, we have invisible disabilities that are sort of back where disability was 30 years ago. Yeah, you know, you say now we have that. We don't have it now. We've always had it. It's just... I see. It's just more... Yeah. It's just, like, yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It's just you know, people are maybe more willing to talk about it. You know, uh, he, the, the guy who uh, wouldn't shake people's hands, yeah. you know, 20 years ago, would he have just carried on in his job and not shaking people's hands and allowed that assumption to go forward and not tell anybody? Probably. Yeah, true. You know, 
at least we're able to have the conversation around it now, and that's probably part and parcel because we're we are talking more about disability in general. Yeah. Well, and it's so. all those sensitive topics, you know, you know, gay and lesbian, gender neutral. All those topics are being talked about more and more openly now. Yeah. Right. Right. So, acceptance is becoming a thing. It is. I guess the only thing that I fear is that this starts to become the like a problem that we've seen with service animals and therapy animals, where you have, you also have this segment of people who do try to milk the system mm-hmm. and make it harder for everybody else who is legitimate. That can that can definitely happen, and that's where this ID card, I yep. think, is is a great idea. Yeah, you know, because then it it removes that it removes that aspect of of um, credibility. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, hmm. Anyways, we'll have to have them back. Well, we're, apparently we're going on their podcast. Large discussion. And then you notice that you invited us without <laughs> even asking us, but okay. Did we... I didn't know I had to ask. No, you don't have to. That's true. You don't have to ask. You just tell us where to go. Yep. Hey, Ryan. Rob. Where can people find us? ATBanter.com. Um, what was my next question? And then Facebook. No, that was more than that. Twitter. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They... <laughs> They can Instagram. also uh, shut up. <laughs> they can also drop, shut up. They can also drop us a line at cowbell <laughs> at atbedger.com. That was a complete miss. Sorry, I'm trying to take a sip of my coffee and swinging blindly for the cowbell at the same time. It's like multitask. No. <laughs> uh, where else can they find us? Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. <laughs> Boom. All right. I'll, t- I'll take that. I'll take that. That works. Uh, all right. Well, I guess that's going to about do it for us this week. <laughs> that's the, all, folks. The non-committal signing off. <laughs> I don't know what's wrong with me today. Bye-bye. <laughs> and we'll leave it at that. <laughs> Bye. This podcast has been brought to you by Canadian Assistive Technology, providing low vision and blindness solutions across Canada. Find us online at www.canastech.com. That's C-A-N-A-S-S-T-E-C-H dot com. Or call us toll free at 1-844-795-8324. For all your assistive technology servicing needs, call Chaos Technical Services at 778 778- 847-6840 or find them online at chaostechnicalservices.com Whoa, look at that. Master of the one take.